Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Mike. Chuck, usually I say Chuck, but Mike is here. No, he wasn't here. And get get the your right headphones on, for Christ's sake. Get the right cheap. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, Chuck is late as usual. He's even though late. Mike, <laughs> Even though Mike drives twice as far, it's true. You're, you're Chuck misleading. said he'd be here at 6.15. You're misleading everybody because I was already out here doing another podcast. And you so were I an just, hour and 51 minutes away. Yeah. and Okay. Well, I don't care if you're misleading <laughs> everybody. So... So the the thing that I wanted to do a special podcast about is for all the sober folk who have teenagers and young kids, and I get a lot of emails from parents want to know, sober parents want to know what to do, how to make sure your kid doesn't become an addict and all this kind of stuff and what to look out for. And, you know, I could give some, like fancy 10 point thing like well let's start off does. with i'm totally in denial because you're in like denial my, <laughs> your kid is drinking old, and vaping no, and smoking not. weed no she's not no i'm not talking about yours i know but she but went to a party where that was happening is, and she was like totally like wow i couldn't believe it dad you know, how she told did me. you know it was happening because she told of me of course said, that's the way they do it they tell you no, other kids no, no, were no. doing it but i wasn't doing it oh whatever i don't <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so, so I don't think I don't I what I told Elijah, which he ignored, which was about the exposure rate, that if you start smoking weed when you're 13, you're definitely either going to prison or rehab. Oh that's the, that's the that's the data. <laughs> Somebody who starts smoking marijuana at 13 years or younger has a 70% chance of needing I, treatment well, as an adult. You have me because I don't know statistics. <laughs> I don't fucking know statistics. It seems like yeah, by the time I was 13, I was, you know, I was ready for rehab right. at 13. So the exposure age is is critical. So inform your kid if you if you're transparent as an addict parent, inform your kid, uh, you know, you, you, I know you're going to be out there. I know this started in for Elijah, I think it was like in in like what is it, like 8th grade. Seventh, eighth grade kids were smoking weed right wow. so that's like 13 12 13 and that's in los angeles of course mike lives in long beach so there's no marijuana in long beach there's thank no god none snoop dog doesn't <laughs> live there he does not live there <laughs> so so mike, denial, mike has it frenchie has it you know other friends of mine have it and we talk about it and i think just like all the other solutions talking about it not being falsely prideful or falsely naive about your kids so the way i learned it uh you know very good friend of mine gibby was staying at my house working on some music somewhere in la and my son's bedroom was way in the front of the house and my bedroom was way in the back of the house and we liked it that way he was 13, I believe. And Gibby came to my bedroom because he was staying in the spare room. And he goes, baby, you got to come down here right now. And I was like, because I was up in this loft bedroom. And I go, what's going on? Because it was like 1030 at night, 11 o'clock at night. And this one, I was working at seven. I had to be at work at eight in the morning or something. And I go, what's going on? And he goes, Elijah is drunk right now. <laughs> 
Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, no fucking way. And I jump out of bed and I come marching downstairs. And sure what time enough, was it? It's like 10 30 at night. Uh, okay. Well, so, you yeah, know, at nighttime is better than morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were thinking it's 10 30 in the morning? Yeah. No. <laughs> Listen to the story. Okay, I was in bed because I got to go to work in the morning. Right. And so I, you know, and it blew my mind because I, for the, la the year and a half before that, had been saying, you know, my kid learned from seeing what I went through and he grew up with it and all that bullshit. No, if you're not attuned to kids at 12, 13, 14 and, and, and having a, a kind of a, a parenting relationship with them, not a buddy-buddy relationship, because what I had with Elijah is buddy-buddy. Right, much like you and your daughter, Chuck. I, uh, Mike, I hate yeah, to say it. Well, so it's this buddy, buddy, and how can you tell your adult buddy as the minor buddy, the child of the parent? Hey, you know what? I smoked marijuana the other night. What's going to happen? The fear that a teenager has in saying that—that's why they we put them in positions being their buddies that they can't say that, right? And if they do, I have other friends. Uh, this other friend of mine who his kid did say that, right? And he had this big talk about blah, blah, blah. Well, you're 13 years old and you shouldn't be smoking marijuana because of your brain and blah, blah. And the kid said, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, no, yeah, I get it. Okay. And then just continued smoking marijuana and then got into coke and heroin. You know, I think I'm going to take a different approach on this. I think I'm going to just tell her, look, just smoke it and deny it to me. You know, <laughs> just don't fucking tell me, man. <laughs> no, I. I, I don't know what that I don't know what the solution to, is. Why do you have to be attuned? Why do you have to be, <laughs> yeah, why can't that, you just let him alone? I don't know. Mike's, Mike's bringing up a subject which I, has crossed my mind because now I'm going to do it again with Elvis and Sydney, right? So I fucked it up with Elijah. I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do with Elvis and Sydney? And that that's that's been discussed me and christy have said our parents didn't know what we were doing i don't want to know what my kids are doing Dude, i'm not my, their fucking friend my dad you met my dad <laughs> yes, right? like, hey, he knew what you were doing you know what he told me once he goes you could put kids out in a field and they just raise themselves he goes you don't have to do anything man they just grow up by themselves anyways and i and i, and I thought at the time it was nuts but he think he's kind of right well in in regards to Drugs and alcohol and young people. I mean, we've we've been trying all different ways to stop it, and the exposure rate just keeps keeps growing. There's all this new statistic that people aren't using drugs. Kids lie so much now. That's I just don't trust anything about it. Right. <laughs> so supposedly drug use is down. Right. How come there's? Uh, I just met last week with a guy opening. Uh, more beds for a teen rehab. If drug use is down, how come there's more teen rehabs than ever before? I don't know. That seems to, <laughs> doesn't doesn't seem to make sense. Mental health also is uh, on yeah. the on the decline. So so we're going to interview in this episode different at different places different. Uh, friends of ours kids who are now adults and hear their stories going to hear from my son elijah going to hear from frenchie's daughter clarice yeah young we're going to hear right. from the people that survived uh their parents <laughs> <laughs> yeah how did they how did they not take drugs around their parents <laughs> that would be a great yeah. subject how did they i mean i'm just talking about my you know, I have three favorite kids. We always have favorites. Our friends. I know you don't. You don't admit it, but but Clarice is my friend's. 
you know, of my friends' kids, yeah, my course. favorite kid. Yeah, right. And and she and, and I have another friend, Jack, who's dead now. I don't know if you knew Methadone Jack from Hollywood AA. Not sure. His daughter, amazing. Graduated from San, Santa Barbara, you know, University of Santa Barbara, became a lawyer. And like her dad was like worse than me. <laughs> like, how the fuck does that happen? Yeah, there might be something <laughs> with the, you know, like the complete opposite of their parents, you know? I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe just talking about it and stuff. In I front just want to hear it because I want to hear off, you know? the parents that are emailing me about what to do with their teenagers. I want you to hear it from the former teenagers themselves as adults now. So we're going to do an episode. We're going to assemble it slowly. This is the beginning. Just uh, And next up, I think you're going to hear me with Clarice, Frenchie's daughter. Yes, we are. All right. Here see you go. later. Stop dying. That's the whole theme. Mike, you said it was going to be so loud in my headphones I could barely hear it. Okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we are sitting inside the Frenchman's house. <laughs> Frenchie is... We meet again. <laughs> Frenchie is very famous around Aloe Treatment Center because the, the clients watch... Uh, Bob and the Monster once a month, <laughs> and uh, they everybody catches that. I, well, first time I have you seen Bob and the Monster, Clarice? Yeah, I've seen it like five times. Okay, so you know the part where it says your dad, and we're going to get into this. Yeah, we're with <laughs> one of my funny. best friends in the world and his grown adult daughter, who's never been in rehab and never had a problem. So this is the hope for all parents. The <laughs> like, you're the you're the hope. <laughs> so. Frenchie, I saw the movie like three times before I caught on that it says harmonica player in the beginning and then it says fucking drug dealer in the second part. <laughs> yeah, it was cured as a uh, brainchild, right? To but get the Flea, graphics on Flea there. said it. Yeah, he said it and then she had to, you know, close caption it. And and so which is fine. So I've never shied away from my past. Never have. And yeah, I think that's why your kids turned out so that? good stupid mm-hmm. stuff in that book that i've read before but yeah. but you know a lot of people email me and they're sober people parents right clarice and they want to know how to make sure their kids don't end up addicts it's a good job mike you finally fixed the microphone thank you that's a great you're a great engineer the headphones. oh is it the headphones it sounds good so um a lot of people email me, like hundreds of people, wanting to know what you can do in raising children so they don't turn into drug addicts, right? And I always say, just raise them like Frenchie does. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> and he's always told you the truth, right? He's always kind of been open about it. Yeah. And a lot of parents... From the beginning, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it, it was always around. Yeah, they went so. to a lot of meetings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just telling Mike, too, they were... They were the resident uh, child. I thought care the kids. meetings were always cool. I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" Like, you liked it. We See? met uh, Danny Trejo one time. Yeah. <laughs> now he's got taco stands everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> he started like his own. Yeah, food like, brand, beer thing. I don't know. So, so, but and you're there's other examples in my life. My older son Elijah. I don't know if you've ever met him. He's never been to rehab. He's never been cracked up. He's never been so. I try to give other parents hope, but the mistake they're making is they don't tell their kids their past. They think yeah. that it's a bad influence on them, right? And and Mike's being very transparent with his his daughters, and we all that have kind of we want to think that your dad. You don't understand. I always say like Frenchie 
gave up his life to raise these kids and they're so magical and they're so wonderful. I've been saying that about you, Clarice, since you were five years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. The first time I watched I like- Shrek was with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and and Frenchie, what can you accept that kind of that you're that great dad who raised two girls by himself amazingly? Or do you feel I like mean, oh, I, I didn't do anything? What was the tools of uh how my dad had raised us, my dad and mom. I mean, I had a full family, totally alcoholic. and Yeah, I you know, met I had, your parents. My, yeah, my mom was like... The, I wouldn't say that's the, the greatest thing. Saint. No, my mom was the saint and my dad, you know, she was the martyr and, you know, the vic... But she, you know, and she was the one that was so inclusive to everyone. Everybody's been... Everybody has a story of Thanksgiving with Martine and Melinda and just, you know, people for Thanksgiving and holidays at the French family, you know. Yeah, Santa Monica. Yeah, and so, you know, I mean, so when I got to be a parent and, you know, I was sober the day, two days after she was born. Right. Not by... Not by choice, but... No, I put my hands up and I surrendered. (laughs) Then I put them behind my back. In jail. In jail. Then they pulled me up with a gun to my head. But, um, yeah, so I... I, That was two days after she was born. And and then I didn't see her for, you know, six months. And then I saw her at Liberty House, you know. so, So she was being brought to Liberty House, like, Saturday groups when she was... A toddler, and then she was like the first chick to ever stay over at Liberty House because she was one years old, and she got to stay in the ex- the new house they had bought next door. And she, I had her over. I was already like a senior member, full present father. And she stayed over on a weekend so I could take a three day pass because I would always fudge my passes. All you guys in rehab start on a Friday night and stretch it all the way till Monday morning, right? You know, so I I got to be with her, and you know, and. She was seeing her mom then too, but you know, yeah, there was so there was there was always you know this is where I'm at in life, and you know then the second daughter came along after I had graduated Liberty House and got all that done, and the courts and all the crap I had to go through, and then just raising them, and then their mom fell off the you know off the grid after a few more years, and you know I just kept you know I'm not going to drop that ball, man. That's this is like. Their life is my life. Uh, Do you feel that? My life is their life. That he was there? (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah, he was always there for me. So much love with Mm -hmm. you guys. I don't want to get teared up or whatever. But anyways, (laughs) fast forward to about two years ago, Frenchie goes, you got to come and see Clarice's band. And I went and saw it, and I was just mesmerized. And you have that charismatic, magical quality about you as a singer. You know? And, And... I, and you're going on your first tour tomorrow, and that's why I wanted to come over to the house and get you on the podcast. And and we want to say all the towns are going to be, and you're going to be in break De- a leg, Detroit, bon Detroit yeah, tomorrow, uh, Detroit this weekend, probably when. Um, yeah, we're going in like three days or something. July twelfth. July twelfth in Detroit. Not Detroit. Well, it's uh, a Bay town. City. Bay City. I don't know about it. I don't know. (laughs) Bay City's find a sandwich shop in Santa Monica. (laughs) Bay City. And then and then everything is kind of. Honestly, I don't know much. Just tell them the name: the Lovely Sand Dunes and the uh, Dovetail Entertainment, so they can start looking this stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's Frenchie, the promoter, as he's promoting your band. (laughs) Dude, they got shirts. They've got this new record that came out June 7th. So I'm very proud of what she's done. 
with Anthony and Gavin. It's a three yeah. piece. You're genius guitar players here, and and mm -hmm. and yes. it's just it's you're the real deal. And I've been telling you guys via instant message because I'm so busy. Like, you know, too often artists get too caught up in. I was just talking about tonight in group. I ran a group over at, at Allo. Mm -hmm. um, like, the first three Thelonious Monster albums, I didn't even really know what I was doing. We didn't even know what we were doing. We were just doing the next available thing. And it was so pure, and it was so magical. And it wasn't like, are we going to be famous, or are we going to be this, or do we have this? Yeah. We just kept getting opportunities and saying yes to them. Like, And that's what I think bands over the years have forgotten. Before they even play a, one note, they're already planning out how it's going to go. And yeah. I, I think that you guys are a throwback in a lot of the bands that I see nowadays, like like um, the band that's kind of your guy's friend, that Greta Van Vliet, or, or these other bands. They're not planning anything. They're just being and doing and reacting. Mm -hmm. And that, that could revitalize rock and roll. I, I really yeah. believe that because this planned out shit and yeah. I got to get this many Instagram followers yeah. and all that shit. It's just stupid. Just yeah, get out I've, and play. I've stayed out of it. It's totally, their stuff is all homogenized. Yeah, we've done itself. everything independent. Yeah. yeah. And then they've got the yeah. management guy and all that who's great, Mikey B, who's from the Greta Van Fleet tree. And um, so they're going on tour and they're doing these things that are, you know, when I was 20 years old, I was telling Mike Bart, I mean, Get in the we van. Were, we were playing backyard parties with, you know, sandals on and flip-flops and corduroys in, right. in pa Pacific Palisades doing... That's fun, too. ...golden earring covers. No, but I mean... Right we used to have it together do, 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 when we do, do, were old. That's your dad's like, music. Know. Like, two chords. Do, 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 I heard do, the, do, the, do, the Red do, Devils... Um, album tape or something yeah. well, that was later i finally developed as a musician in my mid-20s and the rock yeah. and blues stuff i did and then you know hanging out with the i mean i met you bob at the beginning in 84 83 yeah. you know, lingerie and cafe and places like that zero <laughs> gallery and it so, just yeah. fit how your dad became a part of the only sponsor everybody says it's drugs it wasn't drugs it was just it just fit mike had joined the, the band love of and music it, and it became yeah. but but your dad wouldn't have fit in like four years before we were like an art fart band. Yeah, you guys were. <laughs> we were. We had many kind of incarnations. Initially, we were just a, a copy of the Germs, right? And then we became like a copy of like Talking Heads, yeah. kind of, right? <laughs> and then you were. Brian Ferry. Yeah, and I was trying to be all sophisticated and intellectual. And then we became like a rock and roll band. And that's when it just fit. Like, harmonica just fit. And, and the... You guys were the, still the kings of nerd rock, though, because of, you know, the five guys with glasses yeah, yeah. in the band. And I was like, in the 80s and 90s, we were, you know, I well, was coming out of that rocker phase. Here's an exciting wore thing. my hair high. If you just stick with this, you never know where it's going to lead to 10 years ago. Yeah. But... So we were all guys that were known for being nerds and wearing glasses, right? Yeah. That's because we we're nearsighted and can't see. It's not <laughs> no, like, you a, just it's have like a gimmick. Then I started <laughs> yeah. having friends that were wearing nerdy glasses. This They're is like, like oh, 94, 95. No, with no, they didn't need them. They just liked them, right? <laughs> Which is like just to be cool. Like Bob wearing glasses became cool. Yeah. Without lenses <laughs> in them. No, they had lenses. They just didn't have prescriptions in yeah. them. And, and so, 
you know, now it made people readers. look, it made guys, because guys are notoriously insecure, it made them look smarter. So I had a lot of handsome friends that would wear glasses because it made them seem more intelligent. <laughs> like, and so, they you know. They were smart enough to send someone else to get their dope. That was me. <laughs> or me. Oh, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> one of them's still alive, one's not. Oh, man. Right. So, so the idea is that, that you just stick with it. And that's what I've liked about you guys. And, and you made a record and you just keep doing it and keep doing it. That's the thing because I didn't really become good at it till I was doing it for like six or seven years. You don't, you, you know, yeah. like. A good example of the last generation of musicians. At the drive-in wasn't that good. It was magnificent to watch, but in the end, there wasn't really any songs. Yeah. The it's Mars Volta like the- was when they became... That was like five years after At the Drive-In, mm-hmm. right? And I saw the Mars Volta, the Greek theater, and it was like, oh my God, they got it. They know. They understand now. Yeah, and I feel I, like all the all the bands that I really look up to, like... Like, um, let's say, like, Soundgarden, like, Pearl Jam, like, their first album, it was just, like, oh, like, 10 came out, and it was, like, their best stuff, I know. like, off the bat. Well, but like, what you wow. don't know, like, I'm very intimate with that band. What you don't know is they'd already made two albums. Yeah. It was just Eddie was the only new person in it. Yeah. It already was a band called Mother Love Bone. Then it was yeah, a band then, before that. Yeah. It was a oh, band Green called... Oh, Green River, right? Well, or Green the, River yeah. turns into... The Mookie Blaylocks. Mookie Blaylocks. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. So it goes and Green then they River, had to the Mother name. Love Bone, Mookie Blaylock, Pearl Jam. So it wasn't just like they... <laughs> oh, not off the bat then. It wasn't so, but that's a that's a thing that a lot of, a lot of the people... I guess it seems that way. A lot of people yeah. think Guns N' Roses came out of nowhere. Those guys have been around L.A. for five fucking years in all different kinds of bands. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you just got to keep at it. And, and I think it's going to be... I like be the lovely sand duners, though. Yeah. Love the name... It's a Love happy name. It's a little. It's a little happy name. What is too that? happy? Oh, when she no. told me the lovely sand dunes, <laughs> I was like, oh, tra la la, you know, for about three, four, five months. LSD, ex- Frenchie. LSD. Laughing Sam's dice. What? Lucy and this guy. What? <laughs> <laughs> but I know that she's really driven and and not. You know, she has. I, I don't even. I mean, I've. I know you've. You know, I've seen you get a little wasted on alcohol. Get a little drunk. But it's not even like well, we're going to talk about that. that bug. So, so bug that me and Bob and and I've known it for since you were a teenager. Like I was expecting, like she might go off the rails in high school, and then you were playing water polo, and I was like, maybe she's not going to go off the rails. Mm -hmm. You never played water polo. um, Yeah, all four years. You stayed focused, right? Yeah. Did you feel like we were all kind of watching you? Like maybe you were going to go off the rails. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think she was. No, she's you just never herself, thought she dude. was. I don't she's know. I guess because there's always that fear, like back in your mind, is like, well, your parents are fucked up, so I don't want to be fucked up. Yeah. Right. It's always like a f- that fear of that. So. But some kids overcome that fear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You were able to acknowledge it and keep with it. But I think it was love, and I think that you you girls have had this connection with your dad. I've seen your dad just works so hard to keep everything flowing and he's like a hero to me I the new house that. here i know it's like living God. in this is this is, what a contra- a good month. this is what a contractor's house looks like every wall is perfectly painted everything is perfect yeah. mm-hmm. right? really white it's looking good 
It really And then is. the old place, the lady's trying to fucking charge me for all this back sh- painting and all this stuff. Do you know that your lady dad has been talking years. about shit like that for 30 years? There's always some old lady that's kind of oh, trying to fuck yeah. him. There's been... <laughs> Somebody's been... always trying to step on me and squish me down. Yeah. <laughs> you want to you want to know the, uh, some funny stuff of me and your dad that you probably never heard? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my life went up and down kind of based on music, right? And I was doing pretty good for a while. And I had this really cool car that I bought from Anthony Kiedis. Right? <laughs> and, and it was like a... Ro- it was, it like was a, Anthony Kiedis's car? Yeah, and it was, mm-hmm. it was like a race car BMW. It was the first car I ever had that had a CD player in it. Oh, wow. Right? And so I bought yeah. it from Anthony. And then I got back on drugs and things weren't going so good. And I, I was asking your dad to front me <laughs> some stuff. And I said, hey, you like that BMW, right? And he <laughs> was nice. like, yeah. And I go, why don't I give you the BMW and you'll just, I'll just always get drugs from you. And that, and in my <laughs> mind, about the arrangements. In, in my mind, that's a bad train. <laughs> but it was, oh, wait, it got way back. So I thought if we determine a value for the car, like $3,000 or something. What the fuck? And I thought, in like 1993, it's not $3,000. What was it? $2,000? Well, I have no idea, but it's like. You know the inflation. I bought it for like three thousand. So I bought it for three thousand dollars. So Anthony burned you, basically. Yeah, that's I get it. So so we get this little. Your dad had this little notepad with the little things, and I would come and I would initial like that. I got a hundred dollars worth. I thought it would last like six months. After about four weeks, I went. I didn't need a hundred dollars, and he goes, "Well, you're gonna have to pay." And I was like, like, "How can that be? What? How can that go so fast? A whole race car." (laughs) But then your dad will pick up what happened to that car. Go ahead, Frenchie. It freaking broke down, and it needed some kind of like a U joint. And it was a Bavarian... Because it was such a hot rod. It was a uh, 2002 was like, uh, BMW, one of those cool-looking ones, but it was like... It had it a lot shook better, a little sh- bit. Sh- you know, it well, it shook a lot. It needed a new <laughs> joint. And the front, the front axle was coming off. <laughs> and it was like a... Of course, he didn't have the money to fix it. Super expensive part from only in Bavaria. And, you know, there's oh, no like internet and way thing. to find this right. freaking thing. And... Uh-huh. and I don't even know how I got rid of it. I had to. You drove it, it and flipped it over coming home from Las Vegas. No, that's you're confusing stories now. What car did you flip over coming that from? Was Las that was my girl. dad's had a lot of cars. <laughs> that was that <laughs> Tiffany girl that drove the car, and she was, you know, had just. We went to Pete's wedding, and Martin was in the back seat, and she rolled it four times in the desert. Can you imagine? Yes. You know your dad and his storytelling, right? That's another Can you imagine fear how many times? Oh, really? Don't worry. I've never. About it. Yeah, no, I've imagine. only gotten parking tickets. You'll be okay. But listen to this. Can you imagine how long your dad talked about that flipping of the car? Like for years, <laughs> <laughs> years. Got that story down. <laughs> You're trying to confuse it with the Beamer. The Beamer just... I thought it was the Beamer that you flipped over because of the I wasn't joint. driving the flipped over car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was the passenger. And I'm way up, the reason why I want to talk like this is you've grown up around this your whole life and you understand it and you understand that we love you and you care about you and your dad's a good guy. Yeah. Other parents are scared to talk to their kids about this stuff. 
they think it's bad and wrong and will lead their kids down so it leaves the kids questioning like you know i've i yeah you don't know what's right from wrong but then if you just like hear a bunch of stories and then you like oh like Okay, don't do that. Yeah, like, you do all the wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong. You guys are lucky to survive wrong. Yeah. You'll like, get it easier. And I, I always tell this story where Elijah never ended up on drugs either. And, and there was one time where a friend of mine was really bad on drugs. And Elijah was probably around 10 years old. And I was a single dad too. And so I thought, I got to go over to this guy's house and I got to help him because he was cocaine psychosis. And I thought, what do I do with Elijah? And at first I called Keith and I said, you know, can you come over? And he's like, I, I really can't right now. <laughs> so, so I just took Elijah with me, this intervention, right? Or not, not an intervention, it was just somebody high, a friend of ours high. And we walk into the house and Elijah started backing away because the guy was so crazy. And then, and this is your partner's idol, so I won't say, but... But my the guy who we went to his house, he recognized that Elijah was scared. And so he was trying to reassure him not to be scared. And Elijah started oh, was crying. Was it John? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and he started crying. And John was hugging him going, what's wrong, Elijah? Calm down. It's just like, And he was Aww. just scared from it, right? Yeah. Elijah always says, that night we went over there, that had he a weren't. profound effect yeah. on me. <laughs> I bet. Like, there was no romantic notion about what rock and roll and drugs looks like. Like, it just looks sad and weird and scary. Yeah, right? well, she didn't, you know, have to see people. Well, but she maybe, heard about it. No, but she. I didn't, let me I take that back. I don't, I don't let me know. reverse what I just I don't said. Remember. She probably saw her mom in some pretty bad states, and I was the enabling. Yeah. You know, there was a part where the Alan, there was no Alan on, and her mom was like really wasted and doing a lot of stuff and taking my cars and all this when she was about ten, up until about ten. So. This is so like you 10 saw years it. ago. So she saw, saw it there, it. but she would hear just all the shares at meetings and see all the people. But she was, you know, my support group and my best friends are like Semple and you and, you know, Petey Weiss was there at the time. You understood the, that we had Jeff Moore, all the people that were in meetings and Marty. And we were like that. And now we weren't. And now we were full of life and we had changed. So what it says to young people is even if you do have a problem, there's a solution to it. True. And you can use these stories as a cautionary tale. But this secrecy and not wanting your children to know about your past, I think it's corrosive and destructive. And I think it leads to, did you, did you have friends in high school who you suspected their parents were wild and then their kids didn't know? Um, I don't know. Did anybody ever talk to you about it? Like, um, not in school, really. Friends though? No. Every, like all my all the people I would hang out with in like school were just like athletes, like and yeah, like water polo people. But then I like had I had art, some artsy art friends, yeah. and I and mean, all they, they did was like smoke weed. But but did they it. know that your dad was a rock and roll guy and a crazy oh addict? no, I don't think so. Or maybe I don't know. <laughs> nah, they didn't give a shit. But you could just look at you and think that guy's got a story. Yeah, true. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> right. So, so you're gonna go now live it, but you're not gonna live it this way that we lived it. French, your dad and I were on tour for about four years together. Our whole lives existed from hangovers to trying to figure out how to get something 
to we gotta play buprenorphin I, like, I feel like all i care about on <laughs> tour is like how am i gonna get like skincare products well there you go <laughs> that's all i care about well you gotta find like something i need to do. i need this moisturizer <laughs> like <laughs> take a lot of it with you but the, you gotta find out something to do so i've yeah. also toured sober and a lot of the people that you're touring with aren't sober or they're not you know so i i really was obsessed with thrift stores when I toured with the Bicycle Thief. So yeah. we would just get up in the morning really early and I would rip the yellow pages out of the phone book of thrift stores and we would just go around to every thrift store in America, me and Josh clean off for a bunch yeah. And we buy uh, sweaters and then you can... Like fashion. Get, yeah, sweaters. The main things were like sweaters, records. You know, you can find bitchin' sweaters in like Missouri and Nebraska. What about yeah, our plaid for like jackets, three dollars? Huh? What about our plaid jackets, Bob? Plaid jackets. That's you can find. We barely had money, and we were on drugs, but we did find two cool jackets. Cool matching jackets. Separately, that we ended up wearing at the same time. Were you there at the national anthem? No, place? she wasn't born yet. You weren't born yet. Mm, no, I saw it on the movie though. <laughs> on Have you seen the full extended version? No. Oh, this friend of ours has it. You can find it sometimes on the internet. Sometimes it's up. Sometimes mm. it's not. Because we played the whole song. Well, your dad played the whole song. <laughs> I kind of left him out there. Yeah, like, and, <laughs> and I thought we were doing the beginning of it was good. And then it kind of went off the rails, but your dad just kept playing like the professional he is. Yes, he didn't indeed. miss a note. It was me that was screwing My it up. My big moment His at big the moment sports at arena. The Clippers <laughs> basketball game. You don't know. Olajuwon. You don't know how pumped we were to do that, and then and then <laughs> I ruined it. How big of a disappointment it was. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who don't know, Frenchie and I did ask, were asked to do the national anthem at the Los Angeles Clippers-Houston Rockets game when the Houston Rockets were the world champions. Oh, they're right? going to the... Um, oh, never mind. <laughs> the, I the Clippers are going to be champions this yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, but this is when the Rockets had won back-to-back. And it was Akeem Olajuwon, Kenny Smith. This is before Staples Center. Yeah, this is how. The Lakers it. played at the Forum, and the Clippers played downtown. In the oh, is that the Forum? Arena. They played no. at the Sports oh. Arena. Oh, Sports Arena. Right near the Coliseum. Yeah. Now it's a soccer stadium. And so we oh, okay. were so jazzed, and then it just it just took a left turn. But those were like the highlights of my like touring in my life. That was fun. Well, I'm just saying, but those were the peaks. <laughs> they were like terrible moments. Pink Pop. The Pink Pop and the National the Anthem. Pop. I got kicked out I saw of the Pink Pop too Pink on Pop. You were not Pink Pop? No, I got kicked out, remember? On the last podcast. No, I, I hardly remember it. any of it. I didn't make it to Pink Pop. I got kicked out. How did I make it if you didn't well, make it? Well, you were the leader. Of the <laughs> <laughs> they, couldn't, they, couldn't they couldn't kick you out of your band. Oh, they, they wish they could have. Oh, <laughs> trust me. If they could have, they would have. Even my good buddy, rest in peace, Lester, made it to that same thing. Oh, yeah, he with, was there. That's with maybe Johnny Ray Red and Bill Bateman and Paul Size and Dave Lee, the Red Devils. But so now you're gonna do it and and have some fun and go see America and go be with your Ooh, friends. And then maybe and, you'll get to Europe too. And That'd be cool. you know, I've had some of the greatest shows for forty people and some of the worst shows, as you know, for fifty thousand people. So <laughs> don't don't get caught up in yeah. how many people are there, yeah. right? So. Yeah. It's just to, to go out and see America and meet people and and keep writing. Buy songs. the record, peoples. Yeah. How do you buy? How do you buy a record these oh, days? Online. It's on uh, Spotify. 
But do you buy for it free? On, it's on Spotify. It's free. On Spotify for free. And, and there's, there's videos on YouTube. Yeah, there's YouTube. There's iTunes. You could buy it on iTunes. But I want. All it's the, not even a full record. It's a. It's an EP. It's but an the front EP. Album yeah. cover is a painting by you, and your paintings are great. There's one of Brian Forsyth over there. Yeah, I did the one over player. there. And there's the one of Bob. Where's the one of Bob? Um, needs to have it's that, somewhere. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Oh yeah, before you leave. Oh, love it. So, <laughs> so here's here's the thing though. We have a listeners that are mostly sober people. A lot of them work in treatment. They're all across the Milwaukee. Are you guys playing Milwaukee? Because we can get a lot of people out in Milwaukee to go see you guys. You know, yeah. if you're playing Milwaukee. Maybe, yeah. Do, I don't think we are. Where are you, I don't know. Are you playing Madison? No, they're heading south after the first Straight know, from Detroit up. south to where? Uh, Bama. And then they're cutting back across. I think we're getting we're getting like more dates as we speak. Yeah, of so course. We, we don't like yeah. know. You just have to look on the on the website of Dovetail Entertainment, right? Dovetail. Yeah. Dovetail Entertainment. All right, and and if you can go see these guys, go out and see a miracle girl, who I love and I cherish, and the and she's the daughter of my dearest friend and. And I love her pretty much too, and her little sister. And it's a miracle. <laughs> and it's a miracle. And our joint families. And it's the hope for all addict fam- addicts and their children. Like, listen, this idea that everything's locked and everything's horrible and catastrophized, no, it's not. That's not been my experience. It's not been Frenchie's experience. It's not been Mike Mart's experience. So have a little hope and, and be honest and share with your kids. Until next time, don't die. <laughs> right, Mike? Yep. Toodaloo. Right. Toodaloo. Bye bye. Clarice. Have a great tour. Have a great Thank leg. <laughs> hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die podcast. You got a hundred people a day dying of drug overdoses and it's gotta stop. Allo Treatment Centers wants it to stop. We want people to get educated about drugs, about treatment. We want you to learn, laugh, and live. But first and foremost, don't die. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.